Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We've spent over 10 years on air shaping a generation of action motorsports, and now we're changing the game again. The best motorsports, the best action sports, and the best of pop culture with some epic guests thrown in. I am Jim Beaver, and this is the Gentle Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. Hold on tight. The misadventure is just getting started. And welcome to the Gentle Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. Uh, today, this is a fun one. This is an interview I've wanted to do for uh, quite some time. Somebody I've known on social media for a long time and only lives like 35 minutes from me. And uh, yeah, never linked up in person, never done an interview, no reason whatsoever for any of that to happen except for I uh, I just didn't make it happen. But now we're making it happen. And uh, the cool thing is, is those of you that follow me on YouTube know that this is the very first episode we are doing full video as well as the audio. So uh, if you listen to the podcast, awesome. Keep doing that. If you're listening uh, on YouTube, man, you know, thank you guys. Uh, you're getting the first interview over there on YouTube uh, with Anna Glennon, a.k.a. Jet Girl, one of the top female jet ski riders in the world. She's going to be on the show this week, and we're going to throw down talking about her life, career, the auto industry, jet ski industry, and probably a whole hell of a lot more. So definitely looking forward to uh, having her on the show. So, uh, yes, uh, Anna Glennon and I lock loaded right here on the Jim Beaver show today. So, uh, yeah, if you are listening to this awesome, head over to YouTube, subscribe. Also, uh, you're just going to be getting the, uh, from here on out, uh, on YouTube, you'll just get the guest interviews. You won't get the preview. You won't get the outro, some of the random talk, just doing the interview guests there. But, um, I don't know, maybe that'll change, but for now that's just the way we're doing things. So, uh, yeah. Gonna be a uh, fun show. Um, I got so much stuff going on, and uh, actually, sounds like I might uh, be getting one of the new Kawasaki stand-ups. So, uh, looking forward to that. I haven't. I actually haven't. Uh, uh, haven't spent a whole hell of a lot of time on the new stand-up. So, uh, looking forward to uh, uh, getting one of those in hand and filming some content and having a whole. Heck of a lot of fun, but uh, I got a, a lot of stuff coming up in my world. Got uh, my four seat KRX, the supercharged Electra, almost done. It's getting wired as we speak. Uh, big shout out to my buddy Shane down there in Phoenix, uh, who is uh, handling the wiring, and then it goes to wrap. Uh, we got some crazy holographic wrap we're throwing on it. So, uh, man, that car is getting so, so close to being finished up. And uh, yeah. Definitely looking forward to uh, wheeling that thing. But, man, it is turning out cherry, and I can't wait to share it with the world. Um, other than that, I know events. we got Rally on the Rocks. Uh, i got some uh, stuff. I'm actually going to be making a trip to Disneyland sometime soon. Um, got some filming with Electra, obviously. 
And, uh, man, we got some some cool stuff to come uh, on my front. But uh, enough about that. Uh, upcoming guests, we got my buddy Ruslan Greasehands. Yes, the young shredder. He's going to be my guest later on uh, in the week. Next week, we got to Jungle Girl. Um, awesome story there. Professional female wrestler. She'll be one of my guests next week. So bouncing all over the place on uh, the Jim Beaver Show. Just the way I like it. So, um, yes, before we cut to a short commercial break and jump into this interview with Jet Girl, I uh, do want to uh, remind you, now through the end of April, man, we only got a couple of weeks left. You want to get in on this? General Tire dropping one of the best deals of the year on qualifying sets of General Tires. Click the link down here in the bottom on you, uh, of my YouTube channel as well as the website, depending on where you're listening to the show. Click that link. It's going to take you over to General Tire's website. It's going to tell you how to save up to $70 off a set of qualifying general tires now through the end of April, up to $70 off on a qualifying set of general tires. But you got to hit the special link that is down there in the footnotes of the show to get in on that special courtesy of Jim Beaver. So, yes, thank you, General Tire. But, uh, yeah, giving you guys 70 bucks back when you buy a set of qualifying set of general tire. That being said, we're going to take a short commercial break. We come back. It is one of the baddest female jet ski riders on the planet Anna Glennon, right here on the General Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. Making the most of every moment can be demanding, which is why at General Tire, we think you should demand more from your tires. For more than a century, we've made great all-around tires that always deliver the right combination of performance, durability, style, and value. Whether you're looking at the ultra-high-performance summer tires for your street rod or the best-in-class all-weather tire for your family crossover, General Tire delivers for those who demand more from their tires. Find your fit at GeneralTire.com. General Tire, the official tire of the Jim Beaver Show. Conditions off the pavement are always changing, so why settle for a light bar that just turns on and off? The Rigid Adapt is a revolutionary new light bar that will automatically select from eight beam patterns that range from a widespread 90-degree flood to a 15-degree spot based on your vehicle's speed. Try that with your knockoff light bar. A dash-mounted controller allows the user to toggle between adaptive mode beam patterns and RGBW accent lighting. With Adapt, it's easier than ever to own the night. When looking for a new wheel for your off-road vehicle, car, truck, or UTV, the choice is easy. You choose what the pros use. Rob McCachron, Keegan Kincaid, and myself, Jim Beaver, all exclusively use Vision Wheel, whether we're dominating Baja, taking the cup at Cranon, or shredding UTVs. Vision Wheel's trend-setting designs and durability will set you apart from the competition and your friends. Check out visionwheel.com or at Vision Wheel on social media to learn more. Like what you're hearing? Do us a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe to the General Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki and never miss another show. All right, welcome back here to the General Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. For those of you who join us on YouTube, you missed the first part of the show. Uh, so go back and hit up the podcast. But uh, those of you tuning in online, uh, we got Anna Glennon here, a.k.a. Jet Girl. What's going on? Hey, I am so excited to be here. This is really cool. I know. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I don't know. You and I have been social media friends for probably a better part of a decade now, but it's funny this first time we've actually caught up. I know. I feel like we're always in the same place at the same time, and it just like it just never pans out. Like We both are super busy at events, so I'm really excited to get yeah. to sit down and kind of hash things out. Well, and I think, I mean, now we are literally like 30 miles apart. I'm in Parker, and you're in Lake Havasu, so this is like... Makes no sense why we haven't got together. 
I know we're gonna have to ride jet skis soon. Yeah, let's let's definitely do that. That's funny because I've actually come back to jet skis with this new uh, relationship with Kawasaki. Like I hadn't been on a stand up in like fifteen years, and now I've started riding stand ups again and stuff. And I'm having so much fun. They're they're so great. You know, any honestly, so many motorsports like it just translates over. Like if you enjoy dirt bikes or most power sports, you get on a jet ski and the best thing is it doesn't hurt quite as bad when you fall. But I mean, I feel like the the logistics and, and the fun and that energy is still the same. Yeah. I will say I'm a little bit jealous though. Like my daughter's 14 and uh, last fall I had a stand up and I was like, I told her, I was like, Addie, why don't you jump on this thing? And she weighs like 110 pounds. So not much more than you, right? She yes. literally, <laughs> she literally jumps on this thing just started ripping right away. And I'm like, what is going on here? And she goes, well, dad, you said this is going to be hard. It's not that hard. I'm like, I hate you right now. <laughs> That's hilarious. My dad is like a bigger guy, but he loves jet skis. And like, I feel like secretly he's always been kind of bombed that he's like on the, the big dude side because like he'll ride like a little tiny 440 or 550. And I can stand on one of those not running and it stays floating. But yes, no, I, I feel you. I know what that feels like. I see people look at me sideways at the beach all the time when I just like pull up and I'm just standing there and the ski's not running. So yes, it has its moments being being skinny. <laughs> well, I know there was there was a video um, you posted a while back, maybe a month or two ago. You literally were on the trailer on the jet ski and it just like floats backwards. You just started it up and went. I'm like, I kind of hate you right now. And I'm like, <laughs> it, that's that's the reverse on the stand up. <laughs> I like to call it like and and the the thing about the SXR 1500 is like it, it's big. So if you give it just enough momentum off the trailer, like she just slides right in and it's it stays super flat when I'm on it. So I just wait until it floats out past the the sandbar and I just start it up. It's so satisfying. It's like the most satisfying thing in the world. <laughs> so I came back to stand-ups at the beginning of last summer, and it wasn't until the end of, like, fall when I finally got on a 1500. So when I came back to him, I was riding an SXR 800, which okay. I, I love. It's it's such a fun, a fun stand-up. But at the end of the summer, I got a 1500, and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I weigh 220, and I'm 6'2". So it was like the bigger, the bigger hole and everything. I was like, this is great. But I'm so glad that I relearned how to ride – on an 800. So when I went to the 1500, it was like, I mean, it was like cheating almost. The SXR 800 was my first race ski. And like, it will always have my heart as one of the best two strokes ever made. Thank you, Kawasaki, for making that jet ski. It changed my life. Um, but they, uh, when the 1500 came out, that was really the only thing that the pro women could race. And man, like I was a two stroke girl through and through. And they had to like drag me kicking and screaming to get an SXR 1500. Cause I was like, Nope, two strokes till I die. Um, and I hate to say it, but like, I kind of like that SXR 1500 now. Like when I, when I first got it, I was still like, no way, man, like two strokes till I die. And, you know, we, we've done a lot to it to make it race ready. And, and honestly, the, the idea of just going down to the beach, throwing some gas in it and going 65 miles per hour out of the box, like, that's that's such a treat to be yeah. able to do that. I, I still think that the 800s are fun and I love a good two-stroke, but I, I do think that Kawasaki put a really nice motor in that thing. Like, I love to go fast, man. That's what I'm all about. Yeah, I was just talking with Mark Gomez earlier this week, and he just got a couple weeks ago a new 1500, and he was saying, he goes, honestly, he goes, I'm a shorter guy. So he goes, but really the only change I'm making is the handle. He goes, I got to change the handle. You know what I mean? So it fits me a little bit better. But he goes, other than that, he goes, this thing's actually remarkably great out of the box. 
Out of the box, I think it's a really nice rec ski. Like you can just do a couple kind of comfort upgrades and you're set to, to shred, you know, up and down the river and all around the lake. And, and it, it's a nice jet ski for that kind of thing. Like, you know, a 440, 550, that's not always the best thing to ride really rough water or go long distances on. But the, the 1500 is really good for that. Yeah, so I want to kind of go back to the beginning. I, I actually was laughing because, I mean, I've followed you. We've kind of been social media friends for the better part of a decade. But I laughed because I was looking at your profile. Do you really have a trademark on Jet Girl? I do. Yes, I'm very proud of that. That was um, Jet Girl was a brand that my dad and I came up with when I first started. My My whole deal when I got into racing was I was not fast. I was actually even tinier than I am now. I probably weighed just barely over like 85 pounds when I started racing jet skis at like 16 years old. And I was like, I'm not fast to, to win stuff yet. Um, and so my, my dad was like, look, yeah. if we're going to do this, uh, you need to market yourself. And so uh, he kind of taught me some of the social media stuff. And, and that was kind of before a lot of the other jet skiers were doing it. And so um, I couldn't just be myself because yeah. that wasn't something people would remember so we came up with jet girls racing and at that time my little sister was racing too um and as it kind of grew and developed um i started a media business out of it and i ended up doing the trademark and i'm really proud of it um so yes technically the original jet girl that is awesome that's actually rad i've got one or two trademarks and people it's actually an interesting process to get one people think it's easy it's actually not so when I saw that, I was like, <clears throat> I figured it was real, but I was like, I got to ask you. Like, that's. There are a lot of people that will just like throw a trademark out there, but um, I actually do have a trademark on Jet Girl. And then I also have, um, I started a media business when I was younger where I was, uh, you know, doing articles and photography and things for different jet ski and dirt bike magazines. So I also have a trademark on my media brand, which is Motor Action Media. Um, so I had those trademarks when I was like, 17 and that was such a that was such a flex for me most of the kids my age didn't get it um but i thought that that was so cool and i, I worked really hard to to build those brands and i'm super proud of them that's rad that's awesome that's good to know Thanks. so let's let's go back to the beginning obviously i know what are you like a nine-time world champion what, what, uh, what, hang on hang on i'm a nine-time national champion national but champion. i am very proud of my world title it was world very title. hard-earned but yeah, we can we can go back to the beginning. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Um, I want to know how you actually got started uh, jet skiing. So, I mean, you're you're there's actually a few people. I know Gomez was another one, but there's mm -hmm. some people because they're so passionate about jet skis, they just moved to Lake Havasu because like, I mean, it's probably the only place that I know of. I'm sure there's some spots in Florida that actually have, you know what I mean, stuff in the water where you can go and run run the buoys and things like that. But I'm like, there's very few places that just like embrace jet skis. So I mean, like that was a big move for you. It had to have been a big move to Havasu. Yeah, yeah. If we take it all the way back to the beginning, I was really fortunate to grow up with a dad that was just an absolute gearhead. Um, to this day, they still tell me that like when I was a baby, um, they would put on, Sea-Doo uh, had an instructional VHS on how to operate your sit-down watercraft. And if I was fussy, wouldn't go to sleep, they'd pop that bad boy in the VHS and I was out. TKO, I'd fall asleep, no problem. Um, so I was riding sit-downs with my parents, you know, literally like a year old, possibly younger, um, as I had the jet ski noises 
like down. I could make all of those sounds before I could talk. Um, so I've been around watercraft ever since I was a baby. Um, I've been fortunate. My family had a lake home at the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. Uh, so that's actually, that was my home base was Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, which I don't know if you know much about that lake, but it is literally one of the roughest lakes in the country because of these big boats. So I grew up just getting hammered by like huge rollers and it was just like a bathtub, but that's where I learned how to ride. Um, around the time that I was about 15, 14, 15, um, my dad bought us our own standups, my little sister and I, um, and I was helping him build the motors. We had like a, I had a 440 that was hot pink with bubbles and flowers on it. And that was the first ski that I worked on. It never quite ran right. It had these weird gremlins that we just never figured out. Um, but that was the first ski that I ever rode by myself. Um, and then, Around the time I turned 16, there was a local race um, in Kansas City. Uh, My dad took us down there because he had grown up watching, you know, the legends on, you know, ESPN in the 90s. He was watching Jeff Jacobs and Christy Carlson. So he was he was a diehard through and through. Um, But he didn't ever want to force anything on us. So he took us down there. My little sister and I are watching and they had a junior 10 to 12 class. And we were watching these kids that like were like three feet tall. And my sister and I, of course, are like, we can do that. Like we can take these kids. This is no thing. So dad, of course, was like, all right, we're in like all in. He goes out and buys um, a 750 uh, SXI Pro and a 750 SX because those at the time we were under the impression that those would be good skis to start racing on. Uh, we showed up to our first race in Wichita, Kansas, and we just got humbled <laughs> like so hard by the experience. I remember I was like ready. At my first race, I showed up in motocross gear, which like I didn't realize that was not the thing to do. So I had like Fox Moto pants and a jersey. Like looking back on it, it was so embarrassing to see the pictures of me dressed like this. Um, but we got humbled hard, and that was kind of that was the start for us. And and from there, you know, we evolved pretty quickly into the SXR 800s. Um, we were packing up the family minivan and going all across the country from Kansas, you know, driving 17, 18 hours to be able to go to races. Um, but one thing that I think really helped me um, as a rider and also just kind of as a person in general was, you know, a lot of jet skiers get into it and they immediately want to like throw all the horsepower in the world at their jet skis. And my dad was like, nope, you're going to learn how to ride it. Um, I'm not doing anything to it, you know, one piece at a time. And so I spent like my first two or three seasons just getting smoked by these people that had expensive, you know, spooled up jet skis. We went to the the world finals for the first year in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Uh, we packed up mom's minivan uh, with the SXR 800 on the back. And I showed up and I was like, I am going to win. And I got like uh-huh. third from last. It was devastating. Like I was like, man, like I really thought that I was like hot stuff. Um, So I spent a couple of seasons like that where I was riding a, a stock SXR 800 against, um, you know, modified ones that were quite a bit faster. And it was, it was not fun for me because I wanted to win. I wanted to be competitive and I felt like I had a huge disadvantage, but um, the, the year I won the first national title, we came into the last race of the year and my dad was like, all right, it's time. And he put carbs on it and a pipe on it. And I just walked out of everyone's lives. And it was so validating to be like I can handle this horsepower now because he made me figure out how to ride it yeah so that's kind of how I started 
I spent several years on the national tour. Um, I was really fortunate that I got to do that with my whole family. Um, my dad worked really hard to to help support us. And it was something that, you know, my sister and I had to work for too. You know, we were in the garage all night and helping move stuff. Like um, at the time I didn't like it because I saw all these other kids that just kind of got to roll in factory style, you know, but um, I think in the long run, it, it really helped me out. Cause now, now that I'm on my own, it's like when stuff happens, like I, I can figure it out. Cause I, I had no choice, but to do it if yeah. I wanted to go to the races with dad, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed racing the tour. Um, I was, I worked, worked hard and I had a really wonderful team that helped me do great. And I'm, I'm really proud of those accolades. And, and my proudest achievement is obviously that world title. Um, I won it uh, in 2016, um, in the expert men's two stroke limited class. Um, I was one of the only girls there. Uh, there was a lot of really fast, tough guys there that day. Um, and, I remember very clearly that in the very last moto, um, there's a ferry that goes across the lake uh, from Havasu over to the California side. And that ferry leaves the biggest waves I've ever seen in my life. And halfway through that race, that ferry came by and I saw those waves come in. And I remember when I saw those waves, I was like, it's just another day at the Ozarks. I was on the backstretch hitting those waves and I just blasted through them. And there were a lot of people that just kind of dropped dropped back when that happened. And, and, and that was it. Like that really sealed it for me was that freaking ferry and those huge waves. So, um, I, I still see that ferry all the time. And it's I was gonna like, say you see it what every 30 minutes, I think it goes <laughs> back and forth. Yes. Yeah. So the wild thing about, about the water is like, you know, you'll hit the big waves on the back stretch, And then by the time you get around to the front stretch, you're hitting them again. So, um, I saw those things coming from a mile away and, and I remembered that ferry took off at the beginning of the race and my dad and I were standing on the starting line and my dad was like, that's it. Go for it. Like just hit them. It's just like the lake, you know? Um, and so I remember that. I, I feel like that, that, but the confidence that I had to just send it over those ferry waves was like single-handedly what did it for me. Um, and, and it was kind of an interesting s- situation because in the first moto I got like fifth and I was like, well, we're out. And then in that second moto, we won. And I remember we, we got into the tech tent, you know, at world finals, if you place top three, they tear you down, make sure you're legal. So we're in the tech tent and we didn't even think we were in the top three. And the, the tech director comes over to us and he's like, all right, get in the tent. And I remember my dad lit up like the 4th of July. He was like, really? And he was like, yeah, you're sitting at first. And man, I thought my dad was going to lose it. He was so excited. He had never been more excited to tear a jet ski down than that moment. So that that's one of honestly, one of like the best moments of my life was winning, winning that just because I spent a lot of time just getting like wildly underestimated. And and I was just always this like skinny kid that like, sometimes I was fast and then other times I was not having a good day. Um, so, so that moment was super validating and it, it kind of paid off. And, and I gave those trophies to my dad cause man, he built, I don't think to this day that there is a two stroke limited as fast as that ski that he made for me. The guy is such a wizard. I'm I'm super fortunate to have grown up around him and, and learned a lot from him. Well, I think it's interesting, like the way he started you out. Cause my dad kind of the same thing. Like when I wanted to start off road racing, it was like, you've got a wrench on your own stuff. And I, you know, and he'd helped me along the way, but he made me, you know, kind of do it. And he'd check over and make sure things were right. One of the most, you know, the things that I think was most beneficial was he had all these faster race cars sitting in the shop. 
and he wouldn't let me drive them. I had to start out in just the ones that beat you to death. And he's like, if you can learn to ride the drive these, you can drive the faster stuff. And same thing for a couple of years, I had to do my time. And then it was like, all right, it's your time. And then I went out and immediately, you know, got second in my first race, you know, in the faster truck. But it was like, you know, it's one of those where I think there's a lot to that, you know, and I think, uh, you know, like you said, now, like you're on your own and you're able to wrench on your own stuff. It's like at the time you don't realize what your parents are doing, but it's like in retrospect, you look back and you're like, man, they're a whole hell of a lot smarter than I was. Oh, absolutely. I was like butting heads with my dad the whole way. Cause like, cause as, as a kid, you know, I was like 15, 16, 17. I was, I was a girl that was dealing with social media and like, you know, trying to, to impress and get sponsors and all this stuff. So like, all I saw at the end of the day was that these other people's skis was faster than mine and I couldn't do anything about yeah. it. And, and I didn't, I don't think I fully grasped how technically intelligent my dad was too. He's, he's a master mechanic. Like he knows his stuff, but all I knew was that my ski was slower than theirs and I didn't know why. And I didn't know why my dad wouldn't help me out. So it, it was honestly really hard for me to kind of get stepped on for two or three seasons and, and just kind of deal with that because because I was working just as hard, I thought, as everybody else. And so that that national that national championship where he he put the pipe on it and the carbs on it, like we have videos where like we take off on the start and I was just gone. Like I was 10 or 15 boat lengths ahead of everybody else in it. And it was a lot like that for the rest of my two-stroke career was my dad was building stuff that was fast. And, and he, we also had a great relationship where he always listened to my feedback because I was really tiny. And, you know, I had all these guys that would come to me and be like, your setup's weird and that's not right. And you should be running it like this. And, and I was thankful that my dad always listened to my feedback. Um, and I've always been uh, thankful that we had a communication where I was like, hey, it's handling this way or something's uncomfortable. And, you know, being able to to understand what the carburetors were doing and how the ski was reacting and things like that. You know, I've always been super fortunate that we had a ski that was always just right for me, no matter what everybody else was telling us, you know, it was like me and my dad just had it sorted. We had it dialed. Yeah. Well, here's a question in regards to jet ski industry, because I've followed it for years, obviously growing up at Parker, I've been around jet skis my entire life. Um, I feel like in the last year or so, like I, I, I think just off-road's the same way. There's been parallels where there's like ups and downs and ups and downs. But I feel like now, right now, I feel like the jet ski industry is kind of seeing a little bit of a resurgence. It's like I, I just the vintage side, the performance side, I, I feel like things are starting to come back around now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that a lot of times people that are really heavily entrenched in the jet ski industry look at the 90s and how big the 90s was yeah. and and feel like we're not at that level anymore. And there's a lot of other sports that are like that. Like the 90s was just a different time. Yeah. But now, you know, I've been in the sport for about 10 years now. And when I started, it was so small. It was so small. Um, so seeing it now, you know, especially on the West Coast here, um, you know, I was racing in Kansas and we would have, you know, maybe if we were lucky, like 20, 30 racers at a regional, um, I come out here and it's like, they have like a hundred, almost 200 racers at every race. You know, they have lines of like 20 or 30 racers at a time. And to me, that was, that's huge, you know, since I've started in the sport. And I, I do feel like sometimes the folks on the West coast, they're kind of used to those, seeing yeah. those numbers all the time. Um, but I've been really fortunate to get, I've raced all over the country, um, in the 10 years that I've been racing, um, and I, I've raced a little bit here and there. And, and I think that generally overall in the last couple of years, you know, in the last couple of years, I've raced West Coast, I've raced Midwest, I've raced Texas. It looks like it's all growing 
to me, you know, uh, Kawasaki introducing the SXR 1500 made it a lot easier for people to just go to their dealer and buy a jet ski, do a couple small things to it and take it racing. And that's really kind of helped um, insert a whole new group of people into the sport. Uh, vintage class is popping still. It's one of the most popular classes because you can find a, a 440 or a 550 on Craigslist. And if you want to, you can show up and race it as is. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to win, you can do some stuff to it. Um, and be more competitive. So I've loved seeing it grow and seeing more people, uh, seeing people, you know, from the off-road industry get into it. And even just the rec riders in general, I think recreational riding is like at an all-time high because um, I worked at Pro Watercraft for about two years. And when I was there, it, it was mind-blowing how many people called in with stock 650s and stock 750s and and they they wanted parts. So I think that there's a huge market of people even outside of racing um, that are just trying to get out on the water and have a good time. Like if it's too hot to ride the dirt bike, what are you going to do? You're going to go ride the water scoot. Yeah. No. Well, it, I've started joining like, uh, you know, I've done a lot of stand up stuff in the last year, but I've started joining some of the vintage groups because I bought here. What was it? Uh, beginning of last summer bought a super chicken and that's uh, what oh, I've been going boy. through. <laughs> it's actually uh, my buddy Bobby's going through the engine right now, putting a coffin pipe and some stuff on it. But oh, nice. I, uh, I've actually started kind of joining some groups and looking at standups and I'm like, and then you look at the size of the group like six months ago versus like today. And I'm like, holy crap, this group jumped by two, 3000 people in like six months. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? And it's, everybody's like yeah. chiming in. Oh, I bought this vintage or I bought that. And I'm like, holy crap, this stuff is like, it's kind of getting I don't want to say out of hand because I think it's a good thing. But it's, oh, just... it's it's like a wildfire. Like, I, I think the nice thing is that the there are so many 440 and 550 jet skis out in the universe just because Kawasaki manufactured so many of them that it makes it really easy for people that are starting to find a jet ski, get it running, and get out there and try it. And most of the time, it... The thing about the 440 and the 550 is they're old enough to where you got to work on them like a lot to yeah. get them kind of built up and get them running good again. And so I think sometimes it's kind of like a rite of passage of whether or not you're going to you're going to stay in this vintage jet ski group and you're going to be like a tried and true gearhead or you're going to bail on the 440 and 550 and get like a super jet or an SXR 1500. But it, but it's like it's like the gateway. It gets you into it, gets you a feel for it. You get the bug. And just like you, like next thing you know, you got a super chicken and you have all these other jet skis. Like we have like at least like 15 standups right now. And they're, <laughs> they're like all over the country. Like some of them are at dad's house. Some of them are at my house. But it's like we started on 440s and we still have those 440s. But it's like you just get a taste for it. And then it's like, well, I need this one for this class and I need this one for this class. And and this one's not even going to race. And this one's just a fun build. And this one had a cool paint job. Like it, it gets out of control, but it's it's the best kind. It's it's so good. Yeah. So how uh, how did the move to Havasu come into play? Because I know that uh, I mean, that was a big move. Like, you know, because you haven't been in Havasu, but what, uh, a couple years? It hadn't been super long, right? Yeah, I've been here for about three years. Um, I graduated from college in 2017. And uh, the, honestly, like a week after I graduated from college, I packed my car up. I drove across the country and stayed um, at a sponsor's house in in Southern California. And I was working the Supercross circuit. Um, I was a media manager for the TPJ fly racing team. And I was also shooting photos for some of the other teams. Um, and I was just going to every, every race that I could um, until I got another job. And that job 
was not a good environment for me. I, I was there for about two years and, and I was pretty miserable. So I, I got out of there just for myself. I, I couldn't really handle being depressed all the time is pretty much what it was. Um, so what, and I didn't, I, I like cut ties and ran and I didn't really have anywhere to go. Um, and Chris Hagis at pro watercraft reached out to me and, and had wanted some help running his parts business. Um, and I was like, man, you know, I don't know. I kind of was on this path of wanting to work in supercross and dirt bikes. And, and I was like, I'm kind of trying to like go bigger than jet skis, you know? And, and I was like, man, I don't know if I really want to go back to jet skis. Uh, I was still racing and stuff, but I was trying to kind of break out with a career. Um, and I, I remember calling my dad and being like, man, like it's a nice idea, but there's a lot of people that go to Havasu and then they never leave. <laughs> and, and my dad was like, what are you talking about? Go to Havasu, ride your jet ski every freaking day. What are you talking about? And so I did, I packed it all up. Um, I had a jet ski trailer with an S I actually had a 440 and an RM85 on it. And I pulled it all the way to Havasu and I haven't left since then. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, there's something just really special about this town. Um, just, just being able to go down to the beach and, and just kind of unwind. And, and it's not even about, you know, cutting buoys and, and training and doing motos and stuff. For me, it's just, it's this nice freedom that I have to be able to enjoy something that's really important to me. Um, I got super into racing for a couple of years and I was honestly kind of miserable because I let the, like, I let the the racing and the results kind of defeat the purpose of just enjoying jet skis and, and jet skis really gave me a life and, and my whole personality. Um, so coming to house has been great because I've gotten back into just enjoying it, you know, going on cove rides with my friends, floating down the river on the jet ski, just, you know, going as fast as we can into a corner and then turning so we don't die when we hit the, the back of the cove, you know? So that kind of thing has really been so nice living here. Um, so yeah, I've been in Havasu for about two years now or three years. Um, I was with pro watercraft for about two years and I loved it, you know, just getting to hang out with jet skiers all the time. Um, and now um, I work for a automotive and power sports PR agency called con media. Um, and they're out of LA and, and they let me still live here. So it's been, it's been a dream, honestly, the last couple of years, um, my life's really been on the up ever since I moved to Havasu. So uh, I know people are always like, yeah, I'm living the dream, but I genuinely feel like I'm there at this point. Well, and it's funny, like I've had this conversation with some people and you're like, you're mirroring some of the stuff that I've experienced the last couple of years. And fortunately I live in Parker because the water's there, the dirt's there, like pretty much everything I enjoy. It's right here. Same as Havasu. Um, and it's like, I got so invested into racing and it was like, you know, so driven. And it was like the last year, year and a half, like I've had some partners that said, just go and have fun and just share, share what you're doing with the world. And it's been like, I've refound myself. Like I've started jet skiing again. I've started riding dirt bikes again. You know what I mean? I've still doing a ton in the UTV stuff. You know what I mean? Out in Broncos. And, but it's like, I, I'm doing it for me now. And it's a different thing when you feel like you're doing it for everybody else. And it's yeah. like, it's just, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like stressed over those titles for so many years. And, and I've been really blessed that like, all of my partnerships and my sponsorships at the end of the day, they, they want to see me succeed, but they're in it for the content that I make and the adventures that I share and, and the attitude and, and, you know, what I, what I bring to the table. And so it, it's been refreshing and it's, it's helped me kind of find my, my center again is that I can just enjoy it. You know, it doesn't have to be a job. Um, I still race and man, I still want to get in there and 
crash into people respectfully and <laughs> do a good job. But, but you know, if I don't win, it's not the end of the world. I still get to go to a cool job on Monday. You know, the, the sponsors aren't going to cut ties when I don't win a regional race, you know? Um, and the other thing is that the, the people that have been following me have been super supportive of whether I get first or I get last. So it, it's been really cool. It, it was something that I, I let myself get too wound up about the results. And, and while I always still want to do a good job, I, you can't let results and wins and plastic trophies take away from the reason why you started, um, the reason why you're into it. Like I said, you know, jet skiing before jet skiing, I was super shy. I was, I had no self-confidence. You know, I was a very like just sad person. I didn't have a place in the world and, and jet skiing really, helped me come out of my shell and helped me grow. And, and I attribute so much of it to where I am now. Um, it really kind of helped catapult me, you know, into my career and into my life. So like, I don't want to ever hate jet skiing. It's so important to me. So, so letting something make it toxic for me is not cool. Well, and I know you'd said, mentioned, uh, so you're doing some dirt bike riding. Also, you're working in the auto industry. I know we were trying to catch up at SEMA. So, I mean, it sounds like you're bouncing around doing a little bit of stuff outside of jet skiing also. Yeah. People always ask me to post dirt bike videos. And I got to be honest with you guys, I am not super talented on the dirt bike. It's really ironic because for me, when I'm riding the dirt bike, it feels like the dirt is moving out from underneath me, even though the water is always moving. It's the weirdest thing for me, but I love ripping my little RM85 around. I don't really have a desire to race it or anything like that, but you know, I love motorcycles. I'm too short for most motorcycles. So that puts me at a disadvantage already. Um, but I've, I've loved it. I really enjoyed working at Supercross and befriending a lot of the racers and learning their stories. So I, I hold all of that really dear. Um, but I'm super stoked for uh, the gig that I have now. Uh, yeah, like you said, um, I'm working in automotive now. Con Media is a really incredible agency. Um, they're working with some of the biggest, baddest companies, honestly, in the world. Um, so I'm really fortunate. I get to work with like Aprilia Motorcycles, you know, Quadratech. They make Jeep parts. I love my crappy little 1987 YJ. Um, so I get to work with brands like that and help them connect with people like yourself who are just passionate about, you know, all of the different toys that you have and your lifestyle. So it's really been a dream come true to work on stuff like that. It's not an easy job by any means. Like I am grinding every day and it's very high stakes, but the, the payoff is really wonderful. Like to, to see big things happen for these brands and know that I had a hand in it uh, means a lot to me. And, and the con media team is, is, awesome. There's so many cool people on that team. It's just a big group of gearheads, you know, people like you and me, or, you know, we have cars that we're working on on the weekend. Like every time I go into the office, you know, every couple months, it's like a car show. And I get so excited. Like everybody has a project that they're working on and it's like, they've done stuff to it. And every time I come back, I'm like, Oh, like, what did you do to it? Um, so it's been really cool. It's something like, like I said, like I felt for so many years, like I was paying my dues. Like I was in these tough situations where either because I was a girl or because I was small or because, you know, whatever it was in, in the boys clubs of motorsports that I, I felt like I was just like in the trenches, like it was tough. And so now to, to be where I'm at now, I'm like, man, like it was worth it. Like there were times when I was like, is this really worth it? Like, is this really what I want? And now that I am where I am, I'm like, okay, it was worth it. I'm glad I stuck it out. Like, this is really cool. Yeah, I had some people like when I first uh, transitioned out of, you know, kind of my normal nine to five, you know, and stuff like that about 12, 13 years ago, like I was really frustrated. I was like, you know, kind of got angry, stuff like that. People like you just you trust in the process, trust in the process. Now, looking back, I'm like, I wish I knew then what I did. I know now, but I'm like, you know, I'm so glad I went through all those hard times and the rough times because I'm like, it makes you just 
so much more stoked on life, you know, now that you know what you know and things are going great. Yeah, honestly, a big part of my social platform, like a reoccurring theme that a lot of people see is me talking about, like, you know, people kind of talking down on me. And and I don't know if it's just where I was from, but like I grew up and it was like girls in motorsports, even just like, you know, kind of working on cars, not even racing. Like I was ostracized so terribly, like in school, because I wasn't this like girly girl that wanted to go to prom and stuff like that. And, and being young and wanting to make friends, it was really, really hard on me in, in middle school and high school. I was honestly, I was depressed. You know, there, there were times that I thought that just not being alive was going to be better than putting up with the stuff that I was dealing with at school. Um, and, you know, being around my dad and he, he dealt with something similar when he was younger, like he's this big guy and, and people just kind of like thought he was some dumb redneck, you know, like, so he grew up feeling the same way where teachers were like, you're not going to get anywhere in life. And so that was something that I dealt with, even, you know, from people in my own family and stuff, they were like, stop this. This is not, this is not ladylike. This is not appropriate. Don't do these things. Um, and I just kept doing it because, you know, me and my dad were just having fun. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, so so that's something that I talk about a lot because I feel like even it's not even just a girl thing. Like even, you know, guys have to deal with that sometimes, too, you know, with their family or whatever that is. Just just feeling like the odd one out. Um, and I, I felt like that for a long time. Um, and now I think it's it's built me up in such a way where it's like I have this confidence now. I'm really proud of where I am. I had to work really hard to get here. Um, so I, I share that message a lot. And I think a lot of people think it's like some like man hater thing. And like, absolutely not. It, it's it's about it's about just negative people. Like, it doesn't matter who they are, or where they came from or what gender they are or whatever. Like everybody deals with people just like stepping on them sometimes. Um, so so like I said, and kind of like you said, like there were times where I was like, why am I doing this? Like, is this really going to be worth it? And you never know. And there's kind of risk involved with that, where like you can settle into a nine to five and hope for the best, or, or you can just, you know, grit and bear it and, and hope that it turns into something. And it took a really long time. You know, I started working at this and building those trademarks and building this brand when I was 15. Um, and now I'm 26. And I, I, I feel like now, now they're starting, the dues are starting to pay off. Like, I can't wait to see, you know, what comes later, but it took a long time. So I honestly, I, I use my platform a lot to try and like, reach out to those people that it's like, just keep grinding. Like, like something's going to pay off. Don't listen to the people that are trying to tear you down. Cause if, if I had to listen to those people, man, I'd be so bummed out on life. Like I have no idea what I would be doing because jet skiing got me here. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of people talk about the bad things of social media, but I think one of the good things about social media is it, there's somebody like you who's gone through all this and now you can share, you know, you have a platform to share your stories, your experiences. And, you know, back when you started, you know, there might've been other girls doing it, but you didn't know that there was other girls doing it. Now there's younger girls who can see what you're doing and go, Oh, there are other girls doing it. So it opens the door, you know what I mean? For people. So it's, it's not so lonely, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. When at least in jet skiing, when I started, there were not very many people building brands on social media. I, I feel like I was there was a couple like I know Gomez was kind of doing it. And there were some others. But um, I feel like I was the first person to just be like on social media all the time uh, in the jet ski community, because like I said, I wasn't super fast. So that was my thing. Um, so I was sharing all these adventures at the races and meeting all these legends and taking selfies like that. That was my whole thing. Um, and so um, nowadays, I, I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, I get nice messages from, from girls that, you know, tell me that, 
you know, they, they think what I'm doing is cool, especially not even on the racing side, but just like the working on my own stuff. Like I've always been super candid with the fact that like a lot of it is just me like asking dumb questions and like trying stuff until it works. You know, I've, I've taken classes at co- in college and stuff on working on motors. Like I've been really blessed to have a dad that's talked me through a lot of it, but there's still a level of just like, you got to just figure it out. Um, and, and it's been really cool having, you know, girls come to me and being like, like, I like that you're working on your own stuff. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I like being, you know, any kind of light that I can be on social media to, to share either like an adventure and be like, you know, this could be you, you could be out having a good time. I, I'm one of the things I pride myself on is like, I try to be a hundred percent real, like the person that I am on the internet and the dumb jokes that I make and the goofy things that I do, like my friends will tell you it's exactly the same. <laughs> I do the same thing. The, the only exception is on race day. I get really quiet. And it's because like on race day, I'm like ready to go. And so I have had people come up to me on on race day and like catch me and be like, you seem a lot happier on the internet. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm getting ready to go try not to crash into 30 people at once. So catch me in like a couple hours and we can, we can chill. Um, But, but like on the regular, I I really like being real is super important to me because like there's been times where I've met influencers or, or my heroes or whatever, and you meet them and they're totally not what you expected. And it's like, so deflating. So like, I try to be exactly like, it, it's exactly as you see it. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Cause there, I've had some of that. I, I love it when your heroes live up to be, you know, who you want them to be, you know, or who you're expecting them to be. But uh, before we wrap things up, I guess what's next. I know obviously world finals is this fall, but we got a lot of time between now and then what's uh, what's happening with you over the summer. Honestly, anymore, I don't plan that far ahead because I never know when I'm going to get a phone call. Like even like this conversation that we're having right now, like I just have people that hit me up and I never know what I'm going to be like whisked away to do next. Um, I have a really busy work schedule coming up with with a lot of the brands at Con Media, you know, going to events and things like that that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I had my first race of the weekend or of the year last weekend. Didn't go super great, but it was exactly like the consequences of my own actions, not riding very much over the winter. Um, but I plan to race a lot this year as much as I can, uh, probably go on a little traveling circus of jet ski racing over the summer where I can. Um, but yeah, World Finals is always, it's it's the big show. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm really thankful I still have so many brands on board with me to make it possible, even though a lot of it is just kind of it's a loose program these days. And honestly, that's the way that I like it. I'm here to have fun and, and I'll race when I want to race and we'll go cove ride when I want to cove ride. And it, it's been a real blast. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing, you know, even talking with, with Gomez quite a bit, he's a good friend of mine, but it's like finding any kind of sponsorship or support in jet ski racing. It's because it's such a niche. It's really tough. So, you know, when you can get, you know, partners and sponsors, whether it be product or money or whatever, like it's, it's definitely tough, you know, and I think that's awesome that you've been able to get those and, and keep them because it's, it's such a niche industry. Like, you know, it's just, it's not, there's not a lot of support there to get, you know, and the companies that are there do support, but you know, there's only so much they can give. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's an interesting kind of pond that we're fishing from in jet skiing because um, there aren't a ton of brands. I'm really fortunate. There's been a lot of brands outside of jet skiing that have wanted to partner with me. Um, and in the, in the last couple of years, you know, my my brand deals have been better than ever. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that. It was a lot of work to get to that point. And, and honestly, it's a, it's a whole business in itself, the amount of work and content and, and things that I'm doing. You know, it's a, it's a side hustle is what it is. Um, so I'm, I'm really thankful for the brands that have worked with me, you know, once 
like HydroTurf and SBT, like they've stepped up in such a way that honestly, I, I didn't know if the sport even had that anymore, you know, from the heyday. Um, so I've been really fortunate and, and it's stuff that I, I work really hard for. And those brands are, are rare. And, and I'm really thankful that because they don't have to give back anymore. Honestly, there's so many jet skiers out there that'll just, just buy stuff. Um, so there's, there's a lot of brands that are super far removed from the sport. And I, I'm really thankful to work with the ones that still, you know, have big hearts for the sport. Well, it has been awesome catching up with you. Uh, you know, I think uh, we're up against time right now, but uh, man, uh, we definitely need to do it a little more often and we need to get together for uh, some cove rides at a minimum this uh, this summer, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Let's do some drag races up and down the river, see how fast your ski is. Well, I will say um, Gomez and I are actually talking about uh, doing a ride like a dam to dam ride, like one dam to the other and back. So I'll let you know because we want to get like a group of people and kind of film it and do some stuff. So I'll, I'll let you know. It'd be kind of fun get a group of us to go and do it. Yeah, that sounds hardcore. I dig it. So, all right. And we'll be back to wrap things up after this right here on the Gentle Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. When it's time to replace the tires on your vehicle, Gentle Tire delivers the tires you need for both your next big adventure and your daily commute. Whether you need all-season traction, lasting tread wear, or a quiet drive, Gentle Tires are designed to deliver whatever life brings your way. From all-season ultra-high-performance tires for passenger cars and crossovers to extreme all-season mud terrain and tires for light trucks and SUVs, Gentle Tire delivers great Great performance. To find your ideal tire, visit GeneralTire.com. General Tire, official tire of the Jim Beaver Show. Looking to have some fun on four wheels? Dirtfish Rally School has you covered. Packing as much adrenaline and adventure as you can handle into high-performance all-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive Subaru rally cars is where the fun begins at Dirtfish. Just 30 minutes outside of Seattle and Snoqualmie, you'll get a chance to train up to three full days with some of the country's best instructors and be put through the high-octane rush of rally on mud, dirt, and tarmac. Get started today and call 425-888-7715 or visit us online at dirtfish.com and use code 911 for 15% discount. Don't just shred your way through any off-road rugged terrain. Get into gear with GSP XTV and let us redefine your adventure. The GSP advantage of quality and performance sets the standard for UTV axles. We strive to provide premium ATV and UTV axles to keep you shreddy ready. Kick up some dirt and get in the driver's seat with GSP XTV. With over 35 years of experience, drive with a company you can trust. Drive with GSP. For more information, please visit us at gspxtv.com today. Social media? Yeah, that's on lock. It's at Jim Beaver 15 on all major platforms and hit up at General Tire and at Kawasaki USA while you're there. Welcome back to the General Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. Time to wrap things up. Awesome show. Awesome guest. Big thanks to uh, Anna Glennon, a.k.a. Jet Girl. Awesome to find out she actually owns the trademark to that. Um, yeah, good times. Ruslan Grease Hands, Jungle Girl, some of our upcoming guests. And uh, we got a whole hell of a lot more uh, yet to come on the show, that's for sure. Uh, lots of fun stuff, lots of remotes coming up. And, uh, yeah, the whole video component. Head over to YouTube, check that out, at JimBeaver15 on social media, JimBeaver15.com on the web. Uh, and then, yeah, subscribe to the show. Big thanks to General Tire. Don't forget, now through the end of April, got their big spring promotion. Save up to $70 on a qualifying set of General Tire. And, uh yeah, what else do we got to tell you? Yeah, we got a lot of amazing partners. Kawasaki, Vision Wheel, Dirtfish Rally School. We got GSP XTV Axles, Rigid Industries, iRacing, 
Uh, tons of good stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be doing some gaming here uh, pretty quick. Got a new uh, uh, agreement that uh, we're going to announce with uh, my friends at Apex PCs. So I'm going to be doing some iRacing, some video gaming, a lot of stuff we're going to be streaming. So uh, hopefully you guys are following our social channels and uh, get on, on that as well. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I don't know. Time to sign off for today, I think. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on the General Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. And that's a wrap for this edition of the Gentle Tire Jim Beaver Show with Good Times by Kawasaki. Thanks for listening. Be sure and head to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, and follow at Jim Beaver 15 at Gentle Tire, and at Kawasaki USA on social media. Itching for more? JimBeaver15.com has all the latest. We'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.